Welcome back, Patriots, to Canadian Patriot Radio. I am your host, Critch, and today is April 15th, 2021. And uh, interestingly enough, CPR just got hit with another round of censorship. (laughs) Can you believe that? Uh, Anchor just sent me notice uh, that they have pulled episode 85, Immune Health, and ivermectin from our playlist so that affects spotify uh, apple itunes uh, google google play um, all your major 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 outlets Uh, so episode 85 for those of you that have not heard it and are interested to see what is getting censored again here you can find it on soundcloud i uh, i put it in the telegram page and i will put it up on facebook as well um Uh, Just to make sure that if you did miss that episode, just make sure that you give it a listen because obviously there was something in there that they did not like. Now, what I did was I, uh, you know, I I asked them, you know, what what specifically um, about this episode is it that uh, violated your uh, your terms of service? And so we'll see if they answer me. Um, The last time when they completely pulled the the last channel, they uh, didn't uh, even give me an explanation and uh, just figured that I'm just going to let it go. Such is not the case. Anyway, just wanted to start with a little bit of CPR news. And what I wanted to do next in the pre-show was I was absolutely blown away by an article by Global News. They are actively reporting on this and they are serious about it. This will blow your mind too. Uh, The title reads, Alberta flu season wraps up with zero reported cases. Yep, take that in. That's Global News, supposedly a professional media outlet reporting this. This reporter's name is Kaylee Ramsey, and this was posted on April 13th, 2021. Alberta's influenza immunization program has wrapped up for the season, and the province province's top doctors said there were no reported cases of the illness. This was also a record season for vaccination uptake. Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, said on Tuesday afternoon, More than 1.6 million doses of of influenza vaccine were administered in Alberta this season, Hinshaw said. This is the highest uptake for flu vaccine in more than 10 years, she explained. This season has ended like no other with zero reported cases of seasonal influenza in Alberta, Hinshaw said. She pointed out that the reason for this is not because Alberta performed fewer tests. She said it's quite the opposite. This season, more than 100,022 uh, 100, respiratory swabs were tested specifically for influenza compared to fewer than 47,000 tests at this time last year. We are not alone. Currently, data globally indicates that influenza activity has been lower than expected with several countries reporting few to no influenza cases, Hinshaw said. Additional measures like good hygiene and physical distancing that are in place to keep, keep, uh, to, sorry, to help slow the spread of COVID-19 have played a big role in keeping influenza at bay. This is a reminder of the power of our collective actions, Hinshaw said. Through effective immunization and practicing good hygiene, physical distancing, and staying home when sick, we have prevented the spread of influenza and other respiratory illnesses. Oh my God. Alberta's influenza vaccine program launched in October. 
Hinshaw noted that children under the age of nine who have only received one dose of the influenza vaccine can still receive their second dose until the end of April. The 2019-2020 influenza season saw 8,470 confirmed cases of the virus and 41 deaths. In 2018-19, there were 7,698 lab-confirmed influenza cases and 52 deaths. I am utterly shocked, utterly shocked that we are seeing m- news media like this. Like they, they, I can't even go to the level of stupid that this is. The, the flu is not gone. Th- this is just absolutely preposterous to even suggest that the flu there was absolutely no no flu cases in Alberta and to have a I'm gonna go heavy air quotes uh, medical uh, chief medical officer by the name of Dr. Dina Hinshaw telling this to reporters is absolutely flabbergasting it it blows my mind that uh, people of the level of Dr. Dina Hinshaw are are pushing this I, I can't for one second believe this. Not even for one second. I can't even consider it. Because to me, this is complete hogwash. So, <clears throat> they're going to run with this story that uh, the flu is completely gone. But yet, we're still, we're we're apparently having COVID numbers like crazy. And the whole country needs to be locked down. And so on and so forth. But the, but the flu is completely gone. So, the flu, so social distancing, wearing a mask, and good hygiene works for the flu but it doesn't work for COVID-19. Basically two divisions of the same illness, realistically. <clears throat> I, I just can't, uh, I can't, I, I can't buy it. Uh, if anything, this would suggest to me that maybe COVID-19 is a lot more like the flu than they are letting on. And we will get into that later in the show. We've got all sorts of information for you guys today. Uh, when it comes to COVID-19. <clears throat> so let's let's just get this show started and we'll stay on this topic when we come back. We'll be right back. Conspiracy is not theory, and political corruption finds the spotlight.
CPR, we are committed to finding the real truth while upholding Canadians' God-given rights to life, liberty, and freedom. With all thy sons, command. Welcome back, Patriots. Um, I want to stay local when uh, and staying on the topic of COVID nineteen here, and we're gonna go. We're gonna highlight another global news article. They just seem to be winning in every way, shape, and form here. Um, and this one swings from Alberta over to Manitoba, and uh, the title reads: "Vaccinated Manitobans should be cautious while COVID nineteen immunity builds after deaths reported in the province." This is by Alicia Dacey. This was posted on April fourteenth, twenty twenty one. 10 people in Manitoba have died from COVID-19 despite receiving a first or second dose of the vaccine, the province says, and it is urging Manitobans to continue to be cautious after getting inoculated. None of the deaths have come from people who contracted COVID-19 more than 14 days after receiving their second dose. Let's just pause there for a minute. You know, I, I, you know, I get that vaccines aren't a hundred percent. You're never going to get a hundred percent. I understand that, but is this just not, does not, does it, does this not just seem like an admission that this vaccine is doing absolutely nothing? Like, that's how I read articles like this. Like, why would you even get this? You know, we're going to get into more stuff later in the show that um, suggests that you should not be getting this vaccine. I know I don't have to say this to any of you, but um, it just, it, you know, if you have the ability to read between the lines of the mainstream media garbage, you basically can see the admissions, uh, you, you can see it plain as day. And it absolutely blows my mind that more people can't pick up on this. Anyway, let's continue with this article. We are encouraged, though, that out of the hundreds of thousands of people who have received the vaccines, that we still have only seen 111 cases of COVID showing up after the vaccine which works out to about 0.06%. So incredibly low, says Dr. Jose Reimer, medical lead of the uh, province's vaccine task force. So we actually were quite reassured that the vaccines are very effective. <laughs> A spokesperson for the province said, the vaccine takes 14 days to really work and is not 100% effective in stopping the virus in every person. Well, to time out, let's just step out again. Because... We've heard so many different uh, explanations of how these vaccines work. Um, and now they're saying, now Manitoba's telling us it takes 14 days for the vaccine to actually kick in. Holy smokes. <clears throat> Infections that occur within 14 days of a dose do not represent a lack of effectiveness in the vaccine, they said. 
The immune response takes around two weeks to build up after a dose of vaccine. So any infection that occurs, that occurs during the first two weeks was either contracted before the dose was given or before the body had mounted an immune response. It just sounds, this whole, this whole rhetoric is just 100% cover. Just cover, 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 cover. They cannot prove any of that. That is just, that right there is an assumption taken as, as uh, you know, from a medical, heavy air quotes, professional. It is important that people follow the fundamentals while we continue to get more people immune. Because once we have enough people in the community vaccinated, we start to protect each other. What, like the uh, Amish and uh, the Mennonite uh, colonies in, in uh, Pennsylvania that are have reached full herd immunity uh, with only 8% of their uh, population vaccinated? We covered that one in the last show, didn't we, friends? So what, what, do, what do these professionals have to say about that? They just absolutely refuse to admit that that actually happened. According to the provincial health data, as of April 9th, 162 people who had received their first dose were infected within 14 days of getting the shot. 12 of those were hospitalized and four died. Of those who have received their second dose, 24 were infected within 14 days of getting their second shot. Three of those people were hospitalized. As of April 9th, 111 people who had received their first dose were infected at 14 least days after the shot. Nine of those were hospitalized and six died. Of those who had received their second dose, nine were infected and at, at least 14 days after the shot and none were hospitalized or died. During a technical briefing earlier in the day, the province said it will be opening up a super site in Steinbach and is looking at uh, reworking pop-up sites. So now to fit the narrative or to cover up for for what is actually happening happening with people that are that are, that are inoculated and I'm I'll just flat out uh, tell you that I'm assuming but just look how look how the narrative changes here. All of a sudden, okay, no, it takes up to 14 days. Um, so you you can get infected before your vaccine takes takes effect, and uh, yet you could possibly die. Uh, actually, people are dying, and you know the spin on this is is absolutely fascinating because what I think this all this entire article is is a cover for the fact that people are dying from the vaccine. I'm just gonna flat out say it. I, I doubt very much that these people got, uh, or maybe they did get COVID-19. Uh, but I'm assuming that probably it was the vaccine played a very significant role in their deaths. And this whole thing, this whole smoke and mirrors article that we just read is a cover story to cover up for the fact that people are dying from the vaccine in Manitoba. Now, speaking of that, <clears throat> let's go across the pond because this is very, very, very interesting. And you guys are going to like this. This is the first time <clears throat> that I have started to see the numbers of deaths coming out of Europe. And this is absolutely staggering. Okay, this article comes to us from Great Reject and the title reads, COVID vaccines wreak havoc in Europe according to official EU statistics. This was written March 30th, 2021. <clears throat> in just three months, according to official EU statistics, the three main COVID-19 vaccines are wreaking havoc in Europe. Their figures are nothing short of shocking. Already more than 5,300 reported deaths and more than 135,000 unrecovered sick, sick people. 
If any product from the store has a minuscule chance of causing an injury or death, it is immediately withdrawn from sale everywhere. With Corona vaccines, the situation is exactly the opposite. The political and social pressure to inject these experimental, obviously highly dangerous gene-manipulating substances into your body, which have demonstrably already caused so so many victims, is enormous and will only get worse. Together we will get Corona under control. In view of the frightening developments, could be better replaced with, with a Corona corona syringe, your world quickly ends. (laughs) Take a look at the figures updated March 27th, only with the most serious cases, and don't hesitate to check them out. Okay, so what they do is they break it down <clears throat> per, per vaccine. So the first one that they cover is AstraZeneca, and they give you a list of all the, basically the, um, the side effects, um, specific side effects, which would include blood and lymphatic disorders, heart disease, congenial and genetic disorders, ear and hearing disorders, uh, eye diseases, uh, liver diseases, immune system disorders, infections, um, injuries, poisoning, procedural complications, uh, everything. Absolutely everything. Uh, For the AstraZeneca vaccine in Europe, there is a total of 837 deaths and 80,098 unrecovered sick sick people. The Pfizer vaccine, uh, it is 3,268 deaths and 50,699 unrecovered sick sick people. I don't know why I keep screwing up the word sick. (laughs) Uh, And the Moderna vaccine, there is a total of 1,256 deaths and 4,723 unrecovered sick people. That is shocking. Absolutely shocking. Okay, so the totals. The totals with all the vaccines, AstraZeneca, Vaxzervenia, Pfizer, and Moderna vaccines is 5,361 deaths and 135,520 unrecovered sick people. Note that these are only the recorded cases. In the U.S., there is the similar VAERS registration system, which historically includes only about 1% of actual cases. We reported on that already, so you guys are fully aware of that. The vast majority of deaths after vaccination are attributed to other medical causes. Even if the EU had a system that worked 10 times better, the absolute number of deaths, injuries, and illnesses would be staggering. Now, we just covered an article coming out of Manitoba where they basically were blaming COVID for the deaths. Now, when you think of the VAERS reporting system and now this report coming out of the EU and being told that uh, VAERS is is only about 1%, less than 1%, if you really want to get technical, and then you start reading these reports out of uh, the provinces of Canada, there is no way that these aren't directly related to the vaccine. I have no doubt in my mind. Okay, let's uh, let's just kick, carry on with this article because it breaks it down into areas here. The Netherlands leads Europe with a number of vaccination victims. The Netherlands appears to be the sad leader in Europe with 10,324 AstraZeneca chimpanzee vaccine victims, followed by Italy and France. As for the Pfizer gene manipulation nano vaccine, we are in third place with 12,000 
and 46 cases, with only France and Italy above us. However, the, with 1,956 Moderna vaccines, we are again proudly at the top, followed by Spain and Italy. Uh, so obviously the author is from Britain, I'm going to assume. Why have I not put all these figures? Why have I not put all these figures, which do not even include a much larger number of people who have recovered but still have health problems, and the approximately equally large number of unknown cases, we are talking about at least 200,000 people, into a convenient little statistic? Because I hope that seeing such a long list will make many people stop and think about the fact that behind every dead and unrecovered patient, there is a great deal of suffering not least among family members and next of kin what a scary world have what what a scary world have we ended up in <clears throat> do people still find it weird when i say that under no circumstances will i stand in line to get my potential kill shot conversely i find it weird strange bizarre and actually downright outrageous that people expect me to risk my life and health because they are afraid of a respiratory virus that even in the highest bosses in the field, even the highest bosses in the field admit is no more dangerous than the flu. What I find even more scary, however, is that we have polit politicians who simply stand in front of a mirror in the morning to shave or, or make up, then say hello to their partners and children, if any, and then demand, sometimes literally stamping their feet, that no one is allowed to say anything or question or ask any questions about this. Who still continue to claim that these vaccines are perfectly safe and necessary for public health. Even the best thing that could have happened to us. And are in the process of introducing measures that amount to maximum indirect coercion through, va uh, through vaccination. They ask me to put a gun to my temple and pull the trigger. If I refuse, I soon, I will soon be punished with a long-term or even permanent loss of my freedoms and civil rights. If I succumb to this blackmail and do pull the trigger and it goes horribly wrong, then both the government and the vaccine manufacturers have absolved themselves from any responsibility in advance, and it is still entirely my own fault. Historical precedents, people let themselves be led to the slaughter like sheep. During the ethnic cleansing period, there was a village in Croatia where all the inhabitants were led to the edge of a precipice by soldiers under the guise of, we will protect you. They were then asked to jump, and if they did, down to the last man, woman, and child. And they did, down to the last man, woman, and child. There was no coercion involved. No one resisted. No one was pushed. I never understood this total passivity. Likely... Uh, literally like sheep to the slaughter until now. Now I see and hear exactly the same attitude all around me, even from people with a high education whom I normally consider to be quite intelligent. Earlier, after World War II, ashamed German soldiers expressed their bewilderment at the fact the Jews simply lined up and all walked neatly and meekly, accompanied by tuneful music into the gas chambers. Same mechanism. Most people refuse to believe that, the, uh, that other people are capable of such atrocities against their fellow man. And that is precisely why they, have, why they can happen again and again. In the new future, even on an unprecedented scale, if these people are not stopped quickly. 
If the above figures still do nothing to convince you, then I fear that you are a, a hopeless case and are already too far gone to be reached. Then dutifully go to a vaccination street and see what comes out of it. Maybe you may be lucky. I hope so. But I but don't shoot the messenger if you, your partner, or your child also unexpectedly find yourselves in the above statistics, if not now or in the near future. Then in the fall or winter, when the respiratory viruses return and a crucial part of your immune system, thanks to these vaccines, turns out not to function or not to function properly, which several celebrated experts have warned you about. You have now been warned as well, more than enough. A brilliant article, um, absolutely shocking. Um, you know, now that we're starting to see, like I said, this is the first time we've actually gotten a glimpse into the deaths that are happening in Europe from the vaccine, and it is not looking good, my friends. And, uh, you know, like, like the article mentioned, and we kind of went into uh, the fact that VAERS is less than 1%, and then this, this is probably about 1% of Europe. The actual numbers are probably astronomical. Like, we, we cannot believe, I, I don't think any of us uh, people that are sitting on the sidelines reading between the lines are not even, we're not probably not prepared for how many people are actually dying from this already. And then, you know, you've got people like uh, Mike Yeadon, uh, former science head of, uh, of Pfizer, saying that, uh, you know, anybody that gets this shot basically is on a, on a clock now and their maximum life expectancy is three years. That is scary when you start talking about hundreds of millions of people that have received this vaccine. Like, if that is indeed true, we are going to watch you know, a big portion of the world die in the next three years. I hope it's not true. I, I honestly do. I hope that that is not true. I hope that that's, uh, you know, a little bit too far. I, you know, but uh, these numbers that, that we, re we are reading today, I believe 100% are real. And I do believe that they aren't even a tenth of uh, what is actually happening. So <clears throat> another article that kind of ties into the pre-show that is a little bit interesting. <clears throat> um, that comes to us from the same source, um, the Great Reject. You know, you've got Alberta telling us that they don't have the flu whatsoever, and then you've got <clears throat> an article like this that comes out, that basically says laboratories in the U.S. can't find COVID nineteen in one of one thousand five hundred positive tests. Uh, this was written on April 11th, 2021. Now, this is pretty cool because this is the uh, the, fir uh, uh, the first major lawsuit um, that is going to be against the CDC from scientists. So let's let's get into this, my friends. CDC sued for massive fraud. Tests at seven universities of all people examined show that they did not have COVID, but just influenza A or B. EU statistics, Corona virtually disappeared even under mortality. So, hmm, Alberta's saying they don't have the flu, but yet you've got seven universities in the, in the, uh, didn't actually say where they were, in the US, I believe, that um, tested 1,500 people and couldn't find COVID, but they did find influenza A or B. Uh, Alberta, 
<laughs> what's going on here? Let's carry on here. <clears throat> a clinical scientist and immunologist virologist at a Southern California laboratory says he and colleagues from seven universities are suing the CDC for massive fraud. The reason? Not one of 1,500 samples of people tested positive could find... Uh, excuse me. Not one of 1,500 samples of people tested positive could find COVID-19. All people were simply found to have influenza A and to a lesser extent influenza B. This is consistent with the previous findings of other scientists, which we have reported on several times. Dr. Derek Noss, when my lab team and I subjected the 1,500 supposedly positive COVID-19 samples to coaches, uh, postulates and put them under an SEM electronic electron microscope, we found no COVID in all 1,500 samples. We found that all 1,500 samples were primarily influenza A and some influenza B, but no cases of COVID. We did not use the BSPCR test. At seven universities, not once COVID detected. When we sent the rest of the samples to Stanford, Cornell, and a couple of labs at the University of California, they came up with the same results. No COVID. They found, an, they found influenza A and B. Then we all asked the CDC for viable samples of COVID. The CDC said they can't give them because they don't have those samples. Well, you know, we've heard that for now from people in Ireland. We've heard that from people here at home in Canada. And they've all been labeled quacks and uh, supposedly heavy air quotes debunked. I've even seen very intelligent people explain why uh, COVID, why they had to find COVID the way they did, which in, which would in, which involved uh, animal tissue and basically contaminating the samples. Um, but there, here you go. Now we're talking about Stanford, Stanford and Cornell and a couple of labs in uh, the at the University of California. Okay. <clears throat> So we came to a hard conclusion that all our research and lab work that COVID-19 was imaginary and fictitious. The flu was only called COVID and most of the 225,000 deaths were from comorbid comorbidities such as heart disease, cancer, diabetes, pulmonary emphysema, etc., etc. They got the flu, which further weakened their immune system and they died. This virus is fictitious. I still need to find one viable sample with COVID-19 to work with. We who conducted the lab tests with these 1,500 samples at the seven universities are now suing the CDC for COVID-19 fraud. The CDC still has not sent us a viable, isolated, and purified sample of COVID-19. If they can't or won't, then I say there is no COVID-19. It is fictitional. The four research papers describing the genome extracts of the COVID-19 virus never managed to isolate and purify the samples. All four papers described only small pieces of RNA that are only 37 to 40 base pairs long. That is not a virus. A viral genome normally has about 30,000 to 40,000 base pairs. Now that COVID-19 is supposedly so bad everywhere, how come not one lab in the world has completely isolated and purified this virus? That's because they never really found a virus. All they ever discovered were small pieces of RNA that were not identified as the virus anyway. So what are we dealing with? So what we're dealing with is just another flu strain. 
just like every other, other year. COVID-19 does not exist and is fictitious. I believe that China and the globalists have set up this COVID hoax, the flu disguised as a new virus, to establish a global tyranny and to totalitarian-controlled police state. This intrigue includes included also massive election fraud to overthrow Trump. Oh, this article's awesome. <laughs> I did, I, uh, I, I did proofread this, but I didn't, I must have missed that part. <laughs> oh, that is so good. <clears throat> the CDC itself admits to having no identifiable vir virus. Deeply hidden in an official document on COVID-19, the CDC ruefully admitted as early as summer of the summer of 2020 that it does not have a measurable virus. As no qualified, uh, no quantified isolated virus objects of the objects of the 2019 ncov 2 are available at this time page 39 of the cdc 2019 novel coronavirus real-time rt pcr diagnostic panel from july 13th in other words the cdc as one of the leading medical authorities in the world could not and still cannot demonstrate a virus the CDC wrote under the heading limitations. The detection of viral RNA cannot demonstrate the presence of an infectious virus or that the 2019 NCoV-2 is the causative agent of clinical symptoms. And in addition, this test cannot exclude other diseases caused by other bacterial or viral pathogens. In other words, we cannot prove that the people who get sick and are hospitalized and very occasionally die were sickened by a new coronavirus called SARS-CoV-2, nor can we prove that it caused them to develop a new disease called COVID-19. It could just as easily be a different virus and a different disease. And since all the symptoms, including severe pneumonia, correspond seamlessly to what the flu can cause historically in uh, vulnerable people, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck, it is a duck. Here we go. Listen to this. Reward of $265,000 for demonstrating coronavirus. Earlier this year, Samuel Eckert's German team and the Isolate Truth Fund pledged a reward of at least 264, excuse me, 265,000 for any scientist who can provide incontrovertible proof that the SARS-CoV-2 virus has been isolated and therefore exists. They too pointed out that not one lab in the world has yet been able to isolate this coronavirus. Yes, system scientists claim they have, but this isolation consists of only a sample from the human body, which is a soap, which is a soup full of different kinds of cells, remains of viruses, bacteria, uh, eat, uh, etc. With the help of toxic chemicals, one then searches for some residual particles that may indicate a virus that once existed or may still exist, after which this is designated as evidence. Here we go. Canadian team also receives no S evidence despite 40 public access law requests. In late December 2020, there was a similar initiative to the German to the one in Germany. A team around a team around can, Canadian investigative journalist Christine Massey submitted no less than 40 public access law requests to medical authorities worldwide with the simple request for proof that the SARS-CoV-2 virus has been isolated and its existence can therefore be objectively proven. Not one of the agencies and authorities written was able to provide that evidence. 
impossible to demonstrate that SARS-CoV-2 causes a disease called COVID-19. Dr. Tom Cowan, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, and Sally Fallon Morrill recently published a statement on the continuing controversy of whether the SARS-CoV-2 virus is isolated or purified. But based on official Oxford definition of isolation, the fact or condition of being isolated or secluded, a separation from other things or persons standing alone, common sense, the laws of logic, and the rules of science dictate that any unbiased person must come to the conclusion that the SARS-CoV-2 virus has never been isolated or purified. As a result, no confirmation of the existence of the virus can be given. The logical and scientific implications of this are that the structure and composition uh, composition of something whose existence cannot be proven cannot be known, including the present presence, structure, and function of hypothetical spike or other proteins. The genetic sequence of something that has never been found cannot be known, nor can the variance mutations of something whose existence has not been demonstrated. It is therefore impossible to show that SARS-CoV-2 causes a disease called COVID-19. Combine PCR tests for corona and influenza because there's hardly any difference. Not surprisingly, the world's largest biotech company, China's BGI, recently launched a new PCR test that can simultaneously test for influenza A, B, and corona. Apart from the proven fact, acknowledged uh, through various lawsuits that a PCR test cannot prove infection with any virus whatsoever. BGI's explanation that both diseases are so difficult to distinguish from each other and that they have therefore made only one test says more than enough. Maybe there is no difference at all. COVID is just another name for old familiar flu viruses. And this is just another clever marketing trick. Most people have been fooled by fear propaganda. With worldwide government-controlled 24-7 fear propaganda by the mass media, most people have come to believe that there is indeed a life-threatening virus that makes people sick much faster and more severely than the seasonal flu. However, even the latter is demonstrably not the case. Influenza A has been the leading cause of death from uh, from pneumonia in the developed world for years. But send people designated as severe COVID patients to a few ICUs, put cameras on them constantly, instruct a few physicians that they should only discuss the worst cases, and you have your television pandemic. The argument, we are, going, we are doing it because otherwise care will be overburdened, was undermined by governments itself some time ago. By rejecting offers to additional ICU beds or staff because it is not necessary. Was this perhaps the first and only time the truth was told? Official figures, nothing to worry about, yet it never gets back to normal. Now that also the official figures show that after the normal traditional uh, flu season, nothing is wrong. And according to EU statistics, there is even mo- there is even a significant lower mortality rate The society, if it really was about a virus and public health, should immediately go back to normal to start repairing the huge damage caused by government policies. However, as you know, that will never be done. And that is because this carefully planned pandemic hoax is carrying out an ideological agenda, the Great Reset, which aims to largely demolish the society and economy of the West, and then subject 
it to a global technocratic communist climate vaccine dictatorship in which all our freedoms, civil and self-determination rights will be done away with once and for all. At least that was their plan. So this article gave uh, plenty of links to it. What I'll do is I'll put it up in the Telegram page so you guys can can read it. There was quite a few mistakes in it, so I uh, I struggled a little bit getting through it. So thanks for bearing with me uh, to get through that one, my friends. But uh, you know this this brought together a lot of avenues that we have actually covered on the show. The fact that um, you know we've covered the Irish. Um, I forget the lady's name now. Um, she's still fighting this in courts, uh, and then the Canadians, and um, now the U.S. and and uh, one thing I didn't know before was the fact that uh, BGI, this Chinese company, is actually uh, put together the PCR tests to test for influenza A and B as well as Corona. Um, that right there, I mean, we very possibly could just be dealing with a flu, a new flu strain, or just typical old uh, old influenza. I don't know. What do you guys think? It, it's it's surely it makes a lot of sense when you start thinking about it, doesn't it? And if they haven't isolated it, what in God's name are they actually vaccinating us against? You know, it's, uh, you know, now that you've got, you know, that, that I know of, and you guys know of three countries, uh, ours included that have basically asked for, um, the isolated SARS-CoV-2 virus and haven't gotten it from the CDC. And then you've got um, the U.S. doing basically independent studies on supposedly COVID-positive people and just finding influenza A and B. What are they vaccinating us for? (laughs) You know, and uh, so that takes me into the next little clip here that I wanted to play for you guys, which is, uh, you know, questions that have been asked of the CDC about the vaccinations. And this is uh, from a guy named Dan Monroe. So we'll just let him... uh, ask some questions here that all of us are are likely thinking. I'd like to take a moment to share with you some questions and answers that just this week were uploaded and answered from our very own CDC website regarding the experimental vaccine for COVID-19. Question, if I get vaccinated, can I stop wearing a mask? CDC answer, nope. If I get vaccinated, Will I be resistant to COVID? CDC answer, maybe, but probably not. If I get vaccinated, I won't be contagious to others, right? Answer, no, the vaccine does not stop transmission. If I get vaccinated, how long will the vaccine last? CDC answer, no one knows. Why? Because it's still in its experimental phases. If I get vaccinated, Can I stop social distancing? No. So then what is the advantage of getting vaccinated? The answer from the CDC, hoping the virus won't kill you. Question, are you sure the vaccine won't injure or kill me? CDC answer, no guarantees. Question, if statistically the virus has a 99.97 survival rate, why should I get vaccinated? CDC answer, to protect others. Question, so if I get vaccinated, I can protect everyone around me, right? CDC answer, no. Question, 
if I experience adverse effects from the vaccine, am I entitled to be compensated by the manufacturer or the government? CDC answer, absolutely not. You see, the government and the vaccine manufacturers have 100% zero liability. Why? Because according to the CDC, it's an experimental drug. So let's take a moment to summarize, shall we? The COVID-19 vaccine does not provide immunity, does not eliminate the virus, does not prevent death, does not guarantee you won't get it, does not stop you from passing it on to others, does not eliminate masks or social distancing, does not eliminate lockdowns, and if you have adverse effects, you're out of luck. So is everybody in this world just stupid? I'd have to say probably not. Unless, of course, you're one of these people driving around in your car alone with a mask on, then yes, you deserve an award of some kind. Or if you truly believe that if you're standing in a restaurant, you can get COVID. But if you're sitting, you can't. I'm afraid if you believe that, you are aimlessly wandering through the forest of stupidity. And all of this now begs the question, why is it that the powers that be absolutely insist that you must be vaccinated with their experimental drug? Well, the answer is really pretty obvious if you think about it. So wake up. So there you have it. Now, all those questions that Dan just went through are very interesting because those are the answers from the CDC. Now, what I, what I would like to do is I would like to compare and contrast that back with that um, the Manitoba article that we um, we covered earlier. Uh, the Manito Manitoba health minister had some very different answers to these kinds of questions. Yeah, so the, I mean, the way immune response works um, is, is a bit unpredictable from person to person. So when we say that it's you know seventy or eighty percent effective, we're we're looking at how well it works at a population level. So we're not saying that uh, one individual is 80% protected. We're really saying more that, that overall at the population level, we're seeing 80% of infections being prevented. Um, so what the first dose uh, does for most people is it does give you that, that full level of protection um, against uh, at least against severe disease is what we're seeing from the literature. So uh, if you were to be infected, certainly we don't expect most of those people to end up in hospital uh, or to die because of COVID. Um, the, the first dose also is protective uh, for many individuals um, to not get infected at all. But the tricky part is that you don't know if you're the person that, is, that it worked on or not. The second dose for most people is about lengthening the time that they're immune. Um, but for some of those people who didn't respond after dose one, and we never know who those people are, they will respond after dose two. And so there is some additional uh, protection after dose two for the people who just didn't have that response. And then there's a third group who even after dose two will not have a good immune response and will never be immune to COVID. And because we never know which person is which, that's why we're telling people to continue to follow the fundamentals after dose one, even after dose two, until we have enough people immunized that the virus can't spread in our communities. Most people 
will be protected after dose one, but you don't know if you're one of those unlucky people who didn't get that full immune response. So dose two, for the vast majority, our goal is to lengthen how long the immune response stays strong, um, but there will be a small subset of people where that second dose is what triggers a good immune response. Um, so whether you've had one or two doses, until we've had uh, the majority of Manitobans immunized, you know, continue to wear a mask, stay home when you're sick, and reduce your contacts as much as possible. It's uh, quite the contrast when you start comparing those two, uh, <clears throat> those two basically answers, right? Uh, Manitoba Health is telling you that you are going to be immune from, uh, from COVID-19. And then you've got the CDC telling you that you won't be. I'm very curious <clears throat> how the province of Manitoba is so amazingly confident when, uh, in this vaccine when the CDC uh, basically flat out tells you it's still in, in its experimental stages. So what makes the province of Manitoba so absolutely confident that this is working? Where are they getting their information from? And then she kind of went on to say uh, that you, you've got people that don't get a, an immune response from the vaccines, but she doesn't ever give you the numbers. So it's just a little bit of food for thought here. Like, I don't know where the information from Manitoba is even coming from or, or the, any province in general. Um, it's just interesting to compare those two, uh, two segments, isn't it? And feel free to go back and listen to the comparison of those two because it's, it's definitely not even on the same page. <laughs> And Manitoba, we're using we're using as the guinea pig right now, but most of the provinces are exactly the same. So, you know, one thing I was kind of wanting to talk about a little bit is the fact that we've got uh, the provinces all now pushing for even harsher lockdowns. Uh, I see Ontario is even talking about curfews. Uh, Saskatchewan is back to like how, uh, bubbles, like just keeping it to your immediate family. Uh, the even, uh, it wasn't reported, but in specific centers, um, like Weyburn and Regina, there was actually police outside of both cities stopping people to see if their travel into the city was essential. Pretty much straight up papas, please. was what we were dealing with here in the sketch recently. And, uh, you know... <clears throat> Canada diving headlong into this globalist narrative the way they are when we are our cousins to the south half the US is open half two states in particular never shut down at all like we're talking about South Dakota and Florida never even shut down so what are we doing up here like what are we doing wrong up here when the U.S., you know, the whole Midwestern part of the U.S. from Montana to Texas over to Florida is open. Uh, no mask mandates, no lockdowns, nothing. Like you can see pictures from people in uh, restaurants and bars basically living life and having no, you know, their cases are no worse than ours. Now, I know a lot of people that um, you associate with will say, well, that's because they have more vaccinated people. <laughs> vaccinated for what? The flu? <laughs> you know the new flu strand is that that is that they're vaccinated for that you know with what we've gone through in this show we have no idea what they're vaccinating against because so far to date nobody's produced a isolated version of SARS-CoV-2 
and now the CDC is getting sued for it. So it'll be an interesting one to watch. Of course, it'll be difficult to find and to watch because uh, it'll be buried. You know, it'll just be specific independent media outlets that will report on it. So it'll be neat to see how that plays out. Um, I want to do one more quick article stateside um, from the BL because this is kind of in the a lot of people's minds too. And uh, I'm a I like Candace Owens. Um, I think she's I think she'd be a great candidate for the first um, female U.S. president. If we can ever get back to real elections, I think Candace Owens would be, if I was American, I'd vote for her if she ran Republican. But what she did um, on Tucker was, on Tucker Carlson, was she really exposed um, uh, BLM leader um, Patrice Cullors uh, and just called her for what exactly she is. Now, the title reads, Candace Owens criticizes BLM co-founder for $1.4 million mansion calls her a true Marxist. This was written by Amelia Jones uh, yesterday, the 14th. Conservative col- columnist Candace Owens appeared on Tucker Carlson's show on Monday night, April 12th, to condemn Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors for purchasing expensive land in the Top- Topanga Canyon regions of Los Angeles. Apparently, the black movement was Patrice moving her... moving herself, a black woman, into other areas of the communities of people that she claims are oppressing black Americans, Owen said, mocking the BLM leader. Why doesn't she want to live amongst black people, she asked. Why is she choosing to move herself into an all-white neighborhood? These are important questions. The mockery came following the recent reports that Can Call our Colors, a self-described Marxist bought a $1.4 million home in a mostly white neighborhood in Los Angeles last month. The uh, 2,300-square-foot home has canyon views and soaring ceilings, skylights, and plenty of screens. Public records showed that Colors owns three homes in the Los Angeles area, including the homestead in Topanga Canyon with two houses on a quarter acre. Colors began buying began her buying spree in Los Angeles in 2016, only a few years after the civil rights campaign she launched with fellow activists Alicia Garza and Opal Tometi. From a hashtag Black Lives Matter gained momentum. During the show, Carlson answered Colors' ad- admiration for Karl Marx, a socialist who opposed private property ownership, by showing a video discussing her Marxist theory history. In her response, Owen said, Colors has my respect because she's unapologetic in her approach. She's a Marxist, so Marxists steal money from other people and they enrich themselves and tell other people they stole from the poor. Owen said, she enriched herself and bought four homes. I mean, you have to appreciate the honesty. Regarding Black Lives Matter fundraising, Candace said, the corporations are standing behind her, which is incredibly interesting. These corporations that are pouring millions and millions of dollars into Black Lives Matter, and you're correct, they raised more than 90 million. How much more will we, how much more we will never know, but 90 million, of which 20 million went to building the black movement, she continued. Last year, Black Lives Matter received 90 million in contributions according to the organization. So, very interesting. you know, you've got this leader of Black Lives Matter. And uh, for those of you that follow me on Facebook, I posted uh, 
a very telling picture of what this show was probably going to have in it. And it was a picture of Patrice Cullors, uh, Cullors, and she has a mask and she's holding it to the side and behind the mask is Karl Marx, right? <laughs> and that's exactly what we're seeing here. You know, campaigning to raise money for Black Lives Matter, but she's got four homes, one of which is 1.4 million. Really? And people are still buying this rhetoric? Man, it's it's just unbelievable. Speaking of uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, Tyler posted a very good clip in the Telegram page, and uh, I just want to listen. I just want to listen to it with you guys because Tucker is so good. Um, we'll just play the clip and and uh, chat after. Why are vaccinated people still banned from living normal lives? Honestly, what's the answer to that? It doesn't make any sense at all. If the vaccine is effective, there is no reason for people who have received the vaccine to wear masks or avoid physical contact. So maybe it doesn't work and they're simply not telling you that. Well, you hate to think that, especially if you've gotten two shots, but what's the other potential explanation? We can't think of one. We know the Prime Minister of Canada has decided after thinking about it a lot, that vaccines just don't work. And we know that because he said it out loud. Watch this. I think it's really important that we work from uh, facts and understanding of the science around things. Uh, we know, for example, that the UK is ahead of just about everybody else on vaccinations, and yet they maintain uh, very strong restrictions and are facing a very serious third wave. Vaccinations on their own are not enough to keep us safe. We need to engage in the right kinds of behaviours, do things that the Conservatives aren't always good at, like wearing masks, keeping distances and obeying public health rules oh, so the leader of canada our closest ally just explained on television that according to the science the vaccine doesn't stop covid well if that's true why are they pushing everyone to get the vaccine it's really one or the other either the coronavirus shot works or it doesn't, but the shot can't be simultaneously highly effective, but not restore people's lives to normal. That doesn't make sense. They don't tell you to avoid water fountains after you get the polio vaccine. They don't need to tell you that because the polio vaccine works. <laughs> Tucker Carlson had to finish with him because he's just, he's so good. And you know, just an idiot makes it so easy for him. You know, Car Carlson's witty is all heck. And uh, just an idiot is just he walks into he walks into walls in front of Carlson all the time and Tucker just has a ball with it. And we enjoy it thoroughly because just an idiot is exactly what his name says. Anyway, my friends, that brings us to the end of this show. So if you enjoyed this one, um, please reach out and let me know. You can find me on Facebook at Canadian Patriot Radio. <clears throat> The message button comes directly to me, so feel free to use it. If you prefer email, it's CanadianPatriotRadio at gmail.com. For those of you that are on uh, the Telegram social media, it is t.me backslash CanadianPatriotRadio. And if you are just preferring to find us on the website, it is CanadianPatriotRadio.ca. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again. Um, I will post episode... Um, 85, the one that has recently been censored, uh, I will post it on Facebook again too. After probably tomorrow, I'll post it just so if you haven't heard it yet, you can find it. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully this isn't a start of a trend. I, I kind of have a sneaking suspicion what they're going to do now that they found me again is they're just going to find three separate things 
that they can uh, use against me and uh, probably pump the channel again. But I'll keep you guys posted on it and we'll find another way to get back on the air. Regardless, the SoundCloud, um, the SoundCloud account is still up and running and you can find us on the website. So if we do fall under the uh, blanket of uh, fascist censorship again, do not fret. We will find a way to get back on your airwaves. And uh, like I said, there's Old Faithful, which is SoundCloud and has never skipped a beat yet. So until next time, my friends, with all thy sons, command. <laughs> for joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.